The warmest of greetings to you, and welcome to Happily Ever Teaching. This is the podcast to help you enthrall your learners in every subject under the sun using the best teaching method known to science: storytelling. To do this, we feature special guest educators who are passionately keen to empower your children. I am storyteller Chip Cahoon, and with me today is. Hi, I'm Bex, and I've got experience teaching across the primary school age ranges, and I also have the privilege of training the next generation of teachers as well. Hi, I'm Rob. I am Key Stage Two teacher, and I've also worked across the ranges in Milton Keynes. And today we are exploring English learning outcomes with an interstellar folktale from Mexico. You can listen to the story by downloading our sister podcast, Fables and Fairy Tales, or search our website, epictales.co.uk, for Fit for the Moon. There you'll find a video of me telling the story that you can share with your children. And if you're an epic educator, as of the 30th of September 2022, you'll also get the story as a paperback, stunningly illustrated by Corky Paul's protege Mario Coelho, in time for you to use for World Space Week 2022. Don't worry if you missed that though, as you can order the book from any bookshop, including Amazon, and epic educators can access the ebook and full audiobook through the Epic Tales app. In fact, I'd like to take a quick moment to thank everyone who's signed up to be an Epic Educator so far, because by doing so, you are also supporting this podcast, so we can keep sharing these off-the-shelf lesson ideas every single week. So, thanks very much, folks. Right now, though, let's continue our discussion with Bex, Rob, the Sun, and the Moon. And you know, that's one of the big issues with this story for me when writing it is I, I couldn't call them Sun and Moon. They are always the sun and the moon, which is hell for word count. <laughs> I mean, I, I I did try it calling them just sun and moon, and it just didn't work. But anyway, where where are the English links that you folks have found? We'll we'll start at the lower end of the school, maybe with with Bex. <laughs> um, ages, let's just say ages four plus. What what have you got for us, Bex? So I was thinking English. I wasn't trying to steal all Rob's thunder. So I was thinking early <laughs> years, year one and year two. So the first thing I thought the children would really love doing is kind of sequencing the story. So having pictures of the story on different cards. And um, so if you've got continuous provision in your early year setting and in your year ones, and maybe even in your year two, just having the story cards out and the children getting to put them up on a washing line or getting them to put them on the floor and kind of retelling the story. Mm. I thought they'd really, really enjoy doing that. And obviously, as your children get older, so for your year two children, you might want to get them to sequence the story in their books and be writing like a short sentence about their pictures using all of their excellent writing skills and whatever your focus is. So if you're thinking about adjectives, then think the son's visiting the forest to gather the lovely leaves and vines he needs for the dress, thinking about adjectives mm -hmm. for the forest. So much you can do with that one activity of story sequencing. And I thought the children would really, really love that. And obviously, we can make invitations for the wedding that would link yes. to English. And that's something that you can just put out in your continuous provision. You can just put some card out and some maybe some labels and some stickers and get the children to design an invitation to the sun and the moon's wedding. Mm. And obviously, your older children, you might want to give them a little bit more structure, like talk about the information that we need to put onto that wedding invitation. I thought they'd really, 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 I would really enjoy doing that. So, um, <laughs> And I always believe if you enjoy something as a teacher, your children are going to enjoy it loads Definitely. more. If you think, yeah, that would be fun. 
And then I uh, thought it would be really good to explore the characters of the sun and the moon. So having a big sun, a big moon, and getting the children to talk about different adjectives that describe them. So maybe using the roll on the wall technique where you put within the outline of the character the things you know, and then outside the character the things you think about them. So we They're think really the easy outlines, these ones, yeah. don't they? Yes, yes, very easy. <laughs> and I'm thinking like the moon is obviously very kind. We can tell that from the story and teaching the children about that inference because mm. you don't say in the tale, the moon is kind. You say she is trying to protect the son's feelings so they can yes, think yeah. she's kind and then maybe your year twos could write a bit of a character description linking back to what we were saying yesterday with the PSHE and the children not having that perseverance. If they're enjoying it, they might write a little bit more and giving them a little challenge. Like yeah. if you you know mess up or you can't get yourself started, then think about the son. He didn't get there until the fourth try. Can I quickly jump on that? The idea that you said about seeing how the moon is kind through her actions. Because one of the really commonly misconceived phrases in schools, I think, as well as in writing colleges, is this phrase, show instead of tell. And I think you've hit there on one of the ways that storytelling can still be storytelling because that moment that you've described where the moon is wanting to protect the sun's feelings that's really a moment of telling rather than showing you know that there's not a, a heap of dialogue you know if you were really trying to hone down on the literal sense of showing not telling you might say to your children you know write a, a scene in which we can see the moon actually saying things to the sun, being hesitant or whatever to show that she is thinking this rather than actually telling us that this is what she is thinking of doing. But that's not actually what showing instead of telling means. The best phrase to use actually is show and tell. Even when you are telling, you want to be giving an inference to something so that you can pick out the details of a particular character. And yes, you absolutely can tell a particular part of the story and be putting images in your readers' heads in this way. I usually, when talking about this um, in teacher training workshops, I bring up the examples of things like Kensuke's Kingdom and Harry Potter and the Philosopher's Stone. And I say, you know, if, if show don't tell is such an important principle, surely knowing that the first page of any book is going to be the page that really grips people, the first pages of these books would be full of nothing but showing. But if you read those books, the first pages are just telling. But in the telling, what they are doing is giving you real hints as to the kind of character and the kind of story you are going to come across. And yeah, I, I just wanted to jump in there, Bex, because I think you've hit upon a really good example of that in one of our epic tales that you could use to explore that with your young learners if you wanted to. And children find inference a difficult skill to learn about. So actually, the younger that we can start showing them through stories, mm. what's the author trying to do at this point in the story? Well, they're, they're telling you something, but they're showing you something else mm. and having that discussion with them. So I love, obviously, you you guys probably have learned so far that I love Harry Potter. So just thinking about that first, <laughs> that first page, I can quote some of it in my head and thinking, actually, they're telling us lots, but showing us even more. Mm. So it's an amazing, amazing technique. And if our children can learn to write like that when they're writing, their writing will just get better because that's one of the things that we've noticed as a result of what's happened globally that the mm. quality of their writing has slipped because they just struggled to learn it at home and who wouldn't <laughs> like sitting down and having to learn what an author does to create a really good piece 
And just linking into that, what you were saying is one of the things that I'm really keen on with our children is them having like books and places where they can borrow great ideas. So like as you're reading Mm. the story to them, they're like writing down words that they really like or phrases that they really like or a structure that they really like. And you can do that from very young because you can have them on a table and with an adult if you're lucky enough to have another adult in your Mm. classroom or you can have just a big, when I was in Key Stage 1, have a massive magpie like an outline of a magpie and then I'd write words and phrases that we'd collect and then it would go on display and then they can use it in their own writing and then further up the school they make their own like um we call it um ninja book okay what did you call it rob a magpie book yeah magpie book Ah. all of our classes are birds so we felt we couldn't use magpie (laughs) ninja magpie yeah ninja magpie (laughs) so it's um there's a a whole thing called write like a ninja so the children can collect things that they can then use in their own writing so that's what we want them to do read listen to hear great stories and then use that in their own work you know one of the things that often strikes me about the difference between music and every other art form is music is one of the few arts where you are actually encouraged to copy other people. You don't get taught an instrument and straight away told to make up your own pieces of music. <laughs> You're taught a, an instrument by playing other people's music. And certainly as, as a guitarist, you know, one of the things I was encouraged to do was learn little licks, little phrases from other people's guitar solos that you can then pinch and use to build your own later and what you're talking about there is essentially the written equivalent of that and I think it makes a lot of sense because you know the way we learn language is by listening to others and picking up on other people's phrases so that we know what to say and and how to get people's attention ourselves so you know why can't we do that in writing? I taught year six last year and one of the girls she'd magpied a phrase from Harry Potter the emotional range of a teaspoon and she was talking about a character who was a bit dim and she said he had the emotional range of a celery stick and I just I read it out and I said this is what I mean like you've read something you've magpied it and you've thought and now you've used it in your own writing but I think they can do that when they're little as well because they love repeating things that's why we teach them songs that's why we teach them stories off by heart because they can hold it in their heads that's why storytelling is such a great technique because they learn a whole story then they can innovate their own from it so i think it's really massively powerful i'm very for storytelling as we know so <laughs> that's why you're learn, here learn the story off by heart and then retell it and get them to rewrite it as well <laughs> and speaking of which you had an idea about rhyme as well yes so my final thought about english was um collecting the rhyming words and then adding to them so getting the children to be like rhyming detectives getting them to hear the story and then like trying to find the rhyming couplets in there within the sun's magic spells and then collecting them and then adding to them and maybe making them into poems Mm. about the different places that are visited and just using those rhyming words because it's a really really good tool and I think sometimes we don't do enough poetry and actually that's a kind of written form that really helps all children no matter what their writing ability is to feel successful because they're not very long Mm. for them to achieve something so I think I would definitely look at rhyming words as well. Fantastic goodness me there's an awful lot there will you be magpieing any of that for your ninja magpie book Rob? (laughs) Um, I might be I was just whilst you were talking Bex I was like oh write like a ninja let's have a look at that so I've written it down I've magpied that idea to use (laughs) in the classroom. It's someone else's idea I'm going to find out whose it is so I don't like magpie it myself it's actually a book and a series and it's an amazing amazing resource that we use so I'm going to find it out while you're 
okay. while you're talking about um, key stage two. Okay, key stage two ideas. Seven to 11. Seven to 11, yeah. The first idea I came up with was to use the ideas in this story and to recreate it. I kind of thought, what if the son is a bit of a, a Lothario, a bit of a Don Juan, and he's already been around all the other celestial bodies <laughs> trying to marry them, right. and he's not had any success. <laughs> so what would the other planets, the other moons, depending on the age group you're teaching, if they're younger, seven to nine-year-olds, you might just do the planets. If they're older, you might include some of the moons of Jupiter and Saturn as well. What kind of mm. things did they say to the sun? Mm. And I might even challenge my older ones to say, okay, well, the closer they are to the sun in the solar system, they might have a different response to the planets that are further away because they don't see the sun as much. Mm. Or they don't feel the full force. Of, uh, the They're going to be colder towards him. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, literally and metaphorically. <laughs> <laughs> so just to get creative ideas. And again, you could magpie the ideas that are here and use that as a basis mm. and then think of different things that the planets want the sun to do or create or make or promise with different results each time. <laughs> and again, I would kind of say, let's try and keep it a short story so it doesn't go on and on and on and on. A bit like this, it's a short story and it's got everything we need in it. You could drag the story out and say, okay, this is going to be 15 chapters long, but it doesn't need to be. <laughs> well, yeah, you could go around all the other stars in the galaxy, yeah. go to all of the other galaxies in yeah. the universe. <laughs> Desperate quest to find a wife. <laughs> and then I also thought this would be quite a good story to use if you were kind of looking at chronological reporting. Chronological reporting? Yeah, doing it in kind of newspaper style. The sun has made its first pass at the moon and recount what's happened there. Hmm. So you could include quotes from both characters. You could pictures, the forest owner, if there is an owner of the forest, and then build it up. I was thinking whilst I was coming up with the idea a bit like a, a town crier almost. Hmm. So kind of ringing like, here's the news, the sun does this. And then giving it, again, choosing your words carefully so that you can give as much detail as possible, but in as fewer words. Yeah. You could write the newspaper article, but then you could challenge your children to say, okay, now give me the same information, but in 50 words, mm. which I know is a skill that storytellers, including you, Chip, use to help teach storytelling to teachers. Indeed. Indeed. <laughs> well, I, I mean, I just love the idea of chronological reporting in general, because I don't think we've ever talked about that before. We, we often have suggestions for non-chronological reports, but reporting on the events as they unfold, that, yeah. that's yeah. chronological reporting, isn't it? Yeah. And yeah. When you do that, would you pause the story to report on those moments or would you tell the whole story first and then encourage them to go back to particular points as if they don't know what's coming next i think if i was teaching kind of seven to nine year olds i would probably pause it after each bit hmm. and then if i was with the older children i might do that but, or i might just read the whole story and say okay we know everything that's going to happen here's how we're going to report it i would probably show example the bbc website does a good on the sports page i know because i've Look at that in my own time. But they do like the news for different things that are happening during the day and they've got the time and then the information as it's happening, like breaking mm. news almost. Could you make yeah. it into like tweets? Yeah, yeah. You know, like I'm um, on Twitter because then they've only got oh, a certain yeah. number of characters. Yeah. Yeah. So like yeah. um, the celestial yeah. Twitter account. 
at the sun. Yeah, yeah, at the sun, not just yeah. sun. <laughs> um, but yeah, I think they might enjoy doing that, particularly like your year five and six. So your yeah. nine, 10, 11 year olds, they might enjoy that. One very quick request I'd like to throw in here for just before we finish um, for anybody who is thinking of using Bex's idea of the washing lines please take them down if a storyteller visits your classroom just for that little bit of time. The amount of times I've been in a classroom for ages four to seven and I've whacked my head on these things with that are dangling down from washing lines strewn across the room or been in the middle of a story and then brought down a whole cascade of laminated pictures onto the heads of my audience. Take your washing lines down. Take your washing lines down. <laughs> uh, just to um, give the credit where credit's due, the Write Like a Ninja actual book is by um, Andrew Jennings. So we bought one for all of our year sixes and it's like a book where there's like loads of different adjectives, loads of different nouns, loads of different sentence types. So we got the idea of calling it Ninja Books from there because we use his stuff as well so andrew jennings is the the right like a ninja man lovely thank you that's all we have time for in this episode folks if you'd like to talk to us about anything you've heard in this podcast or if there's a subject you are soon to teach that you'd like us to cover you can find us on social media using at teach happily or leave us a review using your favorite podcast app Please also share this podcast with your colleagues and help us start a story-led revolution in classrooms around the world so children everywhere can learn in a way that's effective, memorable and enjoyable all at the same time. Tomorrow, the sun and the moon will help us teach maths. But right now, it only remains for us to say cheerio and we hope to hear your story soon. So, cheerio and we hope to hear your story soon. soon.